All right, everyone, how are you doing this week? I'm here this week with one of my oldest friends in the music and drumming community, Neil Garthley. He is uh, a teacher, a motivator, a musician who plays out himself, which is awesome considering what he does for a living and balancing that time. And I'm just super excited to have him on. And uh, here we go. Neil, how are you, man? I am doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. I am honored to do this with you. I'm honored that you, you know, agreed to do it. You know, it's been really cool starting this podcast and just reaching out. I, you know, I don't have a problem reaching out to people, but it's been so cool the, the response I've gotten from people who I, I just know from, you know, maybe one or two contacts and they've said yes. So this is awesome. Of course, awesome. we've known Excellent. each other a lot longer. So I was super <laughs> yeah, excited. Many and, years. Yeah. So let's, let's get into it. Uh, Neil, you are by trade a drummer. Um, you yes. do play a lot of guitar and I think bass too at this point, right? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So let's, let's focus on the drumming. How did you get into music and especially the drums? How, how did that come about? Um, my long story, <laughs> but to try to make it short, um, when I was growing up, my dad was in a Scottish pipe band in, I believe it was Valley Forge back in the day. And there was always a pair of drumsticks in the house from mm-hmm. the Scottish piper and there was a pet pet. So I don't always mess around with it. Never really did anything with it. Just kind of sure. hit the pad a few times and then mm-hmm. nothing. And then when I got into seventh grade, my, uh, best friend at the time he was uh, taking lessons and i was like ah, maybe i'd like to try that out and as soon as i did it was hooked that's how it happens so it was, right and that was yeah and that was january uh i had the date it was january 21st 1983 oh that's awesome that you know the date that yes, you started I think, um pretty sure let me just i could double check real quick but i'm pretty sure that's the dates because i have my first lesson book oh, when my awesome. teacher wrote in it and it is a really, yep, exactly right. January 21st, 1983 That's was my awesome. first drum lesson. And that was with Don McCroskey, Don McCroskey in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, where I grew up. And he was the local guy. I had no idea you grew up in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Right, so I grew, I grew up in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, beautiful town. Oh, yes. Very uh, much Like so. an old, kind of like Red Bankish. But, uh, but a little older style, older feel, like oh, yeah. Revolutionary War kind of feel, like the old brick buildings. I've been there a few so, times. Um, it's beautiful. Oh, it's a beautiful place. So I, I learned at McCroskey Music, which was the local music store. And it just so happened Don McCroskey was the owner. And he was a great drummer, uh, big band era. And um, he was the local drum shop owner, right? Uh, before... He actually was dedicated to drums because before that he had, I believe it was called the Drummer's Den. And then he turned it into McCroskey Music because he, I think, incorporated all the instruments. Cool. So um, I studied with a really great drum teacher initially. He started me off right, playing with traditional grip, um, working the rudiments, reading skills. My first book was the Roy Burns Elementary Drum Method. Classic. Uh, so... Um, I still use it because it's what I know, and it's great. It really delivers exactly what you need. Of course, there's other a lot of great other books out there. But then I went on um, after Don. He took me to a certain level on the drum set. And then after that, I went to the other drum teacher at Crossing Music, which was Dennis Barth, who is still a good friend. I actually just spoke to him last week. And he taught me 
more independence on the drum set. Jazz, fusion, opened me up to a whole nother world. Um, he would lay tapes on me and say, hey, listen to this. And it would be like Dave Weckl, a whole tape of Dave Weckl. Oh. And then it would be like, um, you know, like a whole other tape of this drummer, that drummer. It just was so much information coming at me. And he would transcribe songs, but did it so meticulously. It looked like it was taken out of a magazine or book. Oh, that's awesome. It wasn't, it, he did it perfectly. And I still respect his deal. And he still does it. Actually, I was talking to him last week. He said he still sits there, transcribes as much as he can. So it's like he has archives. So he would give me all this stuff. So I was really, really into it. Um, during that time, I was using the syncopation book. Syncopation book, another great book. Yes. Uh, more of a skeleton. You can go through it in so many different ways. And then after that, I was into college. College, I'm doing all the, the band classes. Um, I, I went to Ocean, sorry, not Ocean, that's the one here. I went to Bucks County Community College. Uh, and that was a really cool experience because they had a highly rated music department. And it was like wow. 15, 20 minutes from my house. I think it was rated four out of the nation for community colleges for music departments. You never hear so community had, colleges, <clears throat> excuse me, you never hear community colleges anymore having like big programs like that. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, here's a few. I think Buck's program is still good. And of course, there's Riverside out in California, but that's awesome. Uh, it, it was great because um, the one teacher there, he was an elderly trumpet player. His name was Cy Platt. What a name, Cy Platt. Wow. And he was this old jazz dude, and he played trumpet, and he, he was the jazz band instructor and uh, ensemble instructor. And he had great stories of playing at the um, in the vaudeville days and all these like old things like him growing up in that whole era and then playing at all these great venues and his stories. He, when he would talk, he would kind of go, wow, this is really cool. So studying under people like that and – um, Jerry, oh man, what's his last name? I'm drawing a blank on his last name, but um, this other instructor, Jerry, he had uh, his hand in all the arrangements of the school band stuff. So if you go into any school and you have it in your school, I know it. If you look at the arranged by, this guy is one of the big ones that I can't remember his last name for right now. But um, so I studied under him. There's all these really great people in that college. So that really was a great experience. On the side note, then I was like, I'm really into drumming. I was practicing hours a day. And then I went to go see this band play called How To with my college buddy. And the drummer was Joey Novolo from Neptune City right here in New wow, Jersey. Wow, check that out. And he owns uh, the Big Beat Drum Studio at the time. So I went and studied with him. So I would drive the hour and a half from Doylestown here take a, like an hour lesson and drive an hour and a half back home and I would practice them. So I was studying with the college professor then I was studying with Joe and with Dennis Barth all at the same time. So I had like three teachers at once wow. learning all different material. And then I, like a vacation breaks, so I used to practice like eight hours a day. So I was way into it. And That's then after amazing. that, yeah, then after that, um, I moved here to the Jersey Shore, had a family, uh, started teaching in the local areas. And then I taught up at uh, – I taught with uh, – for Joey Novolo at one point with helping him. When he would go out on the road, I would sub for him. And then I was teaching at um, 
musician studio in Red Bank, owned by Bob Greco. Yes. Another great guy. Then I got started with the Jersey Drum Center. And then after that, I made the Academy of Drums. So that's kind of like the timeline there. <laughs> that's awesome. And you know what's crazy about that is I've known you for a long time and I've I've never asked, you know, I I've never asked your lineage in drumming and I've never really asked anyone, but the person who got me into lineage is actually was a, a friend of both of ours. And that's Dom Famularo. Um, mm-hmm. When I had took my first lesson, we didn't even play. He gave me the lineage of, of himself. And, you know, I became part of that lineage because, you know, you and, and him. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's really important now that we, you know, you talk about, you know, your upbringing in, in music. And I think one of the coolest parts about your story is, you know, learning from three different people at one time, which is awesome. And I wish everyone had time to do that today, but you know, today's society is a little different. Um, but, um, the fact that you immersed yourself in all of this music at one time, and I wish we all could do that to this day. So, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, in an ironically kind of weird way, we do have more time now due to this coronavirus that we are home so true. doing podcasts, doing online things. Mm-hmm. So um, in a weird way, it is that, you know, yeah. um, and how technology can bring us together still and not have to be separated. But it's the that whole process, man. It's just a big process. Yeah, it is. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. I have pulled out books I've wanted to look at for the first time or revisit the first time I've had a chance to do that in years, in, including syncopation. And I, I always use stick control, but stick control. I, I mean, I'm, I'm in it now and my God, what a book, you know? And then there's a couple yeah. others that I've been going through and, um, you know, a lot of people are worried about this, but you know, it's another, it's a good time to take a step back and assess your passion and what you can do to make yourself better. And for us, mm-hmm. it's music Absolutely. and, you know, and education, which is pretty cool. So for for me right now, it's about teaching online, Mm -hmm. learning how to do it better. Before we started, you know, recording, we were, we were talking about it already. Yeah. So um, there's, there, there's um, something about, you know, being passionate about something and going for it and immersing yourself in it, like you're saying, and it could be anything. When I was a kid, it was drumming. And then as I got older, it became a little more family life and then it became more business. And then it became this other thing, which we'll probably talk about, a dramology TV show. And then it became um, a, another life, and it just became this thing now that's online. So it's I'm, my focus is changing. So I'm glad I did my time on the drum set when I was young and really dedicated myself, which has carried me through these many years without doing as much intensive practice. I can do more maintenance practice and it becomes a playing thing. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that early dedication that I had and that initial foundation that Don McCroskey set up with me as far as reading, counting, basic coordination, all that foundation was crucial for everything in my life after. As far as drumming and then the drumming became my life, my livelihood, which then now is everything. It's it involves my wife. My wife is involved in drumming. My kids are involved in it. It's just everything is there. So um, that dedication early on, I think, is crucial. 
I agree. And you know, it's, I think there's a lot of instrument players that might not agree with this, but drumming, I think is a closer knit community and drumming as a whole can set you up for so much more in life than I think playing another instrument. And of course I, I am, I am biased. I am a drummer, but I, the, the act of drumming and learning how to play drums, I think just sets you up for so much more success in life than maybe another instrument does. I, you know, I, I still don't know what that is. I, I would agree with that. I would agree with your comment on that. Um, think of the old saying, drumming up business, right? So the idea, and that came, literally came from these guys would sell elixirs. And I believe Dom told me, Dom Familiar told me this story. Um, so maybe he might be able to correct me if I'm wrong on this. Um, so the, the people selling their elixirs back in the day would get off the train stop, set up a snare drum and play. And then people would go, oh, what's that drumming? And then they would come over and they would gather and then he'd be able to sell stuff. So it's drumming up business. So if you think about that, that makes total sense. And drumming is a uh, community thing. What did they do back in the African tribes? They would drum and it would, people would come together. What do they do now for healing sessions? Hand drumming circles. And it's it's such a um, uh, opened arm community dragging you in pulling not dragging you in just <laughs> comfortly um allowing you in to come and, and experience something that's awesome so it's a very open community it's really funny you say that uh my fiance and i were watching uh the johnny depp version of sweeney todd the other night and i just realized when sasha ben Co- cohen's character comes out the little uh kid is is hitting a drum and he's selling elixirs i never even thought of that wow mm. It's, it's an interesting little thing, thing, right? You think yeah. about that. Well, that's, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So, so. I want to move on um, to the Academy of Drums. Now, I uh-huh. I went through the Academy of Drums for a little while when I was in high school and and college, and I, you know, I just want to tell you, and I've told you this before, you and the Academy are a very big part of the reason I am still a drummer, and I've gone on to become a music educator myself. Um, I know, and I admit, I admit this to everyone, I know I was not the best student in everything, but, you know, I did take as much as I could from everyone, but the Academy has really churned out amazing musicians, and, you know, it's just, I know it's all about what students take from it, but let's talk about the Academy. Why did you start your own, you know, you know music education center, and, you know, what do you get out of it? Um... Uh, um, that last one's a, a good question, but uh, why did I start it? Um, well, I was teaching at Jersey Drums in Toms River, New Jersey, and the business was falling apart and just wasn't run very well. And I was in sort of like control or I guess the director, I guess you could say, the, the lesson director, where I took care of all the student schedulings and the teachers and making sure everybody had us. So I was kind of and I was able to maintain all that. So um, when that business fell apart, I just had all the students' phone numbers. I just said, hey, guys, I'm just going to open up my own thing. I'm going to call it the Academy of Drums. So in a kind of a weird way, it, it fell into my lap in a way. And so all of a sudden, I, I just inherited all these students. And then I just started from there. And then it just built up. And then I just kept, you know, with those other teachers too that were teaching, I went to them and said, hey guys, I'm starting my own 
thing. So they were like, cool, we'll just go with you. So I had, I had all these teachers. I had four teachers total. And it just started off. And then I, I was really implementing a lot of um, just uh, – innovative ways to teach kids. And I had one student in particular, Art Hinklebein. He's a, another great guy. You know Art probably. And um, he's a uh, karate, a master karate instructor. And this guy, he's he's badass. Oh, I, I agree. He, oh, yeah. He's a badass dude. Badass in all ways. Yep. <laughs> but I love him to death. And he was taking lessons. He came in one day and just chatted with him for a second. And he's like, oh, I want to take some lessons. So I helped him, even though he's a player already, he wanted to learn how to read. He wanted to learn how to play all these different patterns and better techniques. So he really got into it. And then he started talking to me about his karate school method of how they teach. And some of the lessons, when he, he would come in, we would talk about teaching methods. So I was like, wow, that's really cool. So I started this whole level system of colors and the students would start off with like a white belt so to speak with white level and on their sticks right on the fulcrum where you would hold the stick i put a white piece of tape for that level and then the next student you move up it'd be green level and so on so on all the way up to black level right so i took just took that concept of karate because karate schools let's face it karate schools will always had their stuff together always he oh, yeah. yeah they they knew how to teach so I'm just trying to model like the drum school system after that a little bit. So I created this system, and it really worked. A whole um, approach to teaching, and it, it got levels classes where you could like come in different levels. If you were a green level, you come to this class. If you're a orange level, you come to this class, and it worked really well. And then along came the internet, and then it kind of like changed how things were done. Absolutely. So, and it just, uh, that whole system became not outdated. It just became to me a little boxed in because if you have certain parameters that you're trying to meet for a level system, the student has to accomplish everything inside that box. And then to get to the next level, they have to so complete it all. But when you have students coming in that can already play, and their their technical ability is spread throughout all the boxes, why should I have that student be boxed down to an earlier level because they still have some technical issues in there, or maybe there's some certain patterns that they need to learn in that earlier system? And then that boxing them down, I noticed was not enjoyable for them it became like work Frust yeah frustrating <laughs> yeah, so, right yeah so yeah so then i started modifying the system i tried to make it a little more vague very skeleton like so it could be totally up to the instructor to pick and determine what the student should be working on yeah you know so i got more to that point with it and then just as time goes on my teaching methods changed i like i grew as a teacher Instead of, you know, saying instead of saying growing as a player, I think I was growing as a teacher and learning how to teach better and realizing that, yeah, everybody is unique and you really shouldn't have a set system for drumming because there's so many facets to it, so many avenues you can go in which direction. And really a lot of that comes to personal choice. Like, you know, if you like 
African drumming, then you should experience that world. I shouldn't force it on you if you don't enjoy it. Now, granted, a teacher will introduce you to ideas that are uh, out there in the world that maybe you should dabble in African music if you don't enjoy it. You should just dabble in just to understand it, but you don't have to master it. So I, I got more into really trying to read the student uh, like right off the bat, like the first introductory lesson. And I've gotten so good at it now that I can read a student off the first lesson. I know exactly what they need to work on just by watching them play. Amazing. I know all the things that they can do. And then I could see their path already in front of them because I've just done it for so many years. So that that uh, whole learning how to become a better teacher thing. And that became my focus. You know, just back to what the first thing we said was my first focus was learning the instrument, mm -hmm. which then got me to a point where then my next focus became learning how to become a teacher. So in life, your focuses change. change. Yeah, absolutely. So instead of just being drums my whole life. Yeah, I mean. Boxed into being just drums my whole life. And then, that, that, and then having the Academy of Drums, also, um, I, what happened with the Academy of Drums, I was renting a building. Then I had to um, – he raised the rent so much that I had to then go buy a building because it was cheaper to buy. Yeah. So I bought a building, and then to make the ends meet, I added guitar. So how long ago did you add guitar and bass? That was uh, 2000, 2005. Okay. Yeah, you know, I remember coming home from college and coming to visit. I was like, and guitar? Well, that's new, but, um, yeah. you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I hear of some students that come for guitar and they love it as well. So it's not just drumming. And I think it's cool. Cause you know, you had a brush up on guitar, brush up on bass and yeah. learn something new. And, you know, as musicians, I, you know, I think it's very important to continue learning your whole life. I mean, yeah. I, I hope to learn something about my instrument every day until the day I'm not here anymore. And if it's a new instrument, I'm sure behind me, you can see there's, you know, a mandolin and stuff like that. I've yeah. done it too. And I just I think it's cool that you have moved into teaching other types of instrumentalists as well. So and that became my next focus after being a great drum teacher. My next focus was like, okay, I want to add this instrument guitar into my livelihood. I should know something about it. So I started taking lessons from the guitar teacher at the time. That was Brian Patterson, um, a great, amazing bass player, and he. Um, really taught me so much knowledge on the guitar and ways to think about it. And I still go back and say, Hey man, can you give me a lesson again? I want to learn something new about it. Nice. Um, so I, I learned from the beginning, man, I had no idea what the names of the strings were. I had no idea where the note placement was, but you know, thank God I had good rhythm skill from the drums that I was able to pick it up fairly rapidly. And then I started doing introductory lessons. Like when the student would come in, I wanted to just try to see if I can teach. And I started like, wow, I can actually teach guitar. And then I got into more of it. And at one point, I totally stopped playing drums besides teaching. I would still teach the drums. But when you really teach, you don't really play a lot. No, yeah, you know? I, I agree. You know, it's, it's really more the student doing the work. Yep. So, um, you know, granted, you might play throughout the whole day of teaching if you taught, let's say, six hours in the day. So throughout the whole day, you might accumulate maybe a half hour or 45 minutes of actual physical playing time, unless you devote a lesson time to playing with the student. And that can happen too. Um, so your, your practice time really does reduce. So I, I went more just to guitar at that point. I just was like, I'm not playing the drums. I just want to 
I'll do my drumming with the lessons, but I'm not practicing drums at night or anything. I just practice on guitar, and I would do like two to three hours on guitar. At oh night. wow! You immersed yeah, yourself in, in the instrument. I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't. Um, I wasn't playing out at the time, so I really have still those musician hours. So I get home, and then I would just practice till like two o'clock in the morning. So I really learned about the guitar and then I was able to teach guitar. So I was like, all right, I could totally do this. So uh, am I the greatest guitar player? No, I'm not. I'm more of a rhythm player. I'm, I'm, I could dabble in soloing a little bit, but if you really want to learn all the technical soloing stuff, I'd be like, all right, you got to go to somebody else. Yeah. It's Just funny. Try it out. It's funny. You use the word rhythm. Uh, that actually, you were leading me right into my next question was did drumming make it easier or more difficult to learn the instrument because you know we are we use our fingers to an extent more wrist and and forearm did that help or hinder your playing on guitar when you were uh, learning the it totally helped cool. uh, without a doubt the my rhythm control timing control um being able to un understand um motion and how things are timed together because you, with drumming, you have to time your limbs, and it's a, and it is a lot of finger control, learning how to control the sticks. So that does all equate into finger control on the guitar. It is definitely a little more different because it's more um, individual fingers sometimes. But overall, rhythm control, bass, drumming totally helped that. I gravitated and, towards bass, not guitar. Um, and and I do have bass one. Is a great and, one. Yeah, and you know that's why the, I picked up the mandolin more. Well. Part of it's because I'm a huge Levon Helm fan, and of course he played. Mm -hmm. And but it's a rhythm instrument in a bluegrass band, and I think that's why I I picked it up because I could yeah. I, I can keep time. So yeah, what? So let's move on a little bit because this is something you are my first musician guest, and uh, this is something I've I've wanted to do. Not out of left field, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> so we're we're both like raising our arms in triumph. I know you can't see us on a fist podcast. Pump, fist pump. Yeah, we are in Jersey. I hate to say it. So what, obviously as musicians we do play, but hopefully, you know, we have time to listen to music as well. Um, what have you been listening to lately that, that you like or, you know, that's influenced you? Has there been anything that, you know, has kind of piqued your interest? Um, okay, so if, as far as music, listening to songs, mm -hmm. um, the Avet Brothers. Oh, A yes. Avet Brothers are a amazing i agree with you their songwriting and i am not afraid to say this is equivalent to the beatles they I, have yeah. a skill set that the beatles had of writing a simple melody that is so beautiful it can actually make you cry i agree oh and, my god do i agree and their play with timing and rhythm is a cool thing man yep. like how the beatles would throw in measures of three four to change like all you need is love there's a measure of four four three four in there it throws yep. that three four in there so they do that same thing and their songs are so addictive and i don't think there's one bad song from them i agree not one bad song if you had to pick and i'm gonna i'll, I'll answer too if you had to pick one or two songs or maybe an album that might be the one that you think is your favorite. Do you have one? Um, um, okay, here's the weird thing about today's technology is you don't really albums. know the albums yeah. that they're on because yeah. all I say is, you know, 
Google Play Avet Brothers. Yeah. And it just plays a variety of songs from different albums, and I don't know which album they're on. <laughs> I so hear I hear you. I, since I did get into them, though, I did buy some vinyls because I still love to put on the vinyl and Me hear the well. crackle and hiss. And my wife loves it too, so we'll put that on. Um, so their last two albums, um, which was uh, uh, The Sad Truth, right? Mm-hmm. Was that what, was that the second last one? I think it's the second then, last um, one, yeah. Yeah, and then this most recent one, uh, Coming Together, I think it's called. Uh, so I have those, and man, there's some amazing songs on there. There are. Um, there are. I'm, I'm looking uh, out. So yeah, it was true sadness and closer to uh, closer than uh, together. True sadness. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Closer yeah. Um, So uh, you're the the tearjerker and really makes you contemplate life is um, uh, no hard feelings. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so that's that's like to me that's like imagine almost. It's the level of thinking about life. Yeah. And in Imagine from John Lennon, it's just so powerful. So that to me is like that. <clears throat> and then you have, um, what other, some great songs on there. I'm uh, drawing a blank. Um, Ain't No Man's a great one. Ain't No Man to. is one of my favorite There's, songs. That's, you know, that um, was going to be one of my ones after, after you went. Yeah. Ah, uh, man. What, um, and, and now my most recent uh, one that my wife and I love to dance to is uh, It's Raining Today on their most recent album. It's the last song on the album. Man, again, so simple. But at the end, the piano line is just these quarter notes like dum, 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 dum. And it feels like raindrops. It's so cool. So cool. It reminds me actually of, um, <clears throat> in, in a, a little bit different sense, but um, A Day in the Life with the piano, that last piano yeah. chord. Yeah. Yeah. So um, those two guys, it's uh, Seth and Scott, and they, they just make such great music together. They're such good people. So that's what I'm into as far as music. Um, is it great drumming? There's some times where they let the drummer flash a little bit. But it's not drumming. It's music. It's the musical part of it, the the message that's coming across. So I don't really listen to drumming stuff anymore, to be honest with you. I don't either. I used to, back in the day, I used to only listen to drumming. But now it's I've grown past that. And um, it's really now about the, the, the message of the song, if I really get into it. Of co- well, of course, there has to be catchy, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Something to make you listen to it. And then once you really listen to it, you're like, wow, that's an awesome message. And then the beauty of the that whole synergy of all that coming together Orchestration. Is, what, um, is what I really am to, you know, that's I, what, I, and I don't always go back to the classics, right? You got your Billy Joel. We'll put on, of course, the Beatles. You have, um, uh, Huey Lewis. We love Huey Lewis. Uh, underrated, and, and it, underrated man. Yeah, Huey Lewis. Um, he had some great songs in the eighties. Um, we'll put on, uh, nineties rock. You know, that's we'll just, my, that's my thing. I'm a, believe. I mean, drumming and not drumming aside, and um, you know, I, everyone that knows me knows I'm not ashamed. I'm a huge Dave Matthews Band fan, and yep. also a huge Spin Doctors fan. And I think yep. Dennis. Uh, oh my God! I just said Dennis. Oh my God! Aaron Combs from the Spin Doctors, amazing drummer, traditional grip, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. And you have Carter as well, who is just a monster. But I again, even with both of them, I don't listen for drums anymore. I listen for what you're saying, orchestration and message of songs. 
In fact, for a while, I was not even listening to music with drums. I went through a huge bluegrass kick. Where oh, bluegrass is awesome. No drums. And I loved it. Billy Strings now? Yes. Guy, Billy Strings? Yes. He's amazing. You know, I listen to a lot of them. And actually, that's how I got into Avitz was going through a lot of the older, like, you know, like Scrug stuff. And then getting into more modern new grass. And then I found the Avitz and that was it. I, yeah. It's amazing how yeah. it all comes together. Yeah, my wife, um, I, for her birthday, her 40th birthday, I surprised her. And uh, we got uh, tickets um, I, we got for uh, them in uh, outside of Baltimore. Right? They were like nice. one of the thick colleges outside of Baltimore. And we did the front row section. Oh. So it was stand, they, the way they do it, they do a standing room only. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just kind of work, go in and work your way in. Oh, yeah. In, a, in more of that uh, summer crowd kind of mentality where you get up to the front of the stage. So we got up there pretty close. It was really, really cool to see That's that. That's awesome. That's so cool. I'm saying goodbye to my wife. They're leaving oh. to go to the store. They're, they are trekking out into danger land oh, to go good to the luck. store. I have to do it later. So, Neil, before we, we wrap up here, where can people um, – before I even do that, I wanted to talk about – I totally forgot. I want to talk about drumology and, and a 21st century kit real quick. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. We got the time. I, you know, I, I, I love I that. Time, yeah, I got it. Why not? Can we, can we talk about that kit real quick? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, well, it, it came about because I went to see a clinic. Um, it was a, I, think, I believe it was the Modern Drummer Festival, which was in North Jersey at the time. And, rest in peace. Uh, yeah, that was an awesome thing, man. Yeah. It was so, it was in our backyard. Yep. The greatest drum festival in the world. And it was in our backyard. Putty pad. So it was, yeah, it was really <laughs> awesome. Yeah, putty pad. <laughs> yeah, that, that brings back memories, You're man. Right? That's funny. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was there, and I watched Akira Jimbo play. Oh, Akira man. Jimbo is this uh, Japanese drummer and always smiling and had such a pizzazz about his playing. But what he really has is this ele- acoustic drum set, but it's all triggered up with mm-hmm. electronics, and he has electronic pads. And he came out and played songs just on his drum set. And he had all the parts triggered and the melody lines on the pads. It was a one-man band. It totally blew my mind. This is like when it was really starting to become – electronics were becoming way more integrated yeah. into the drum set. Late 90s, early 2000s, yeah, we started getting that. Yeah, somewhere in there. I, yep. I can't remember the exact date, but it just blew my mind. I was like, wow, that's the coolest thing. So then I was thinking, how could you make that into like more of an acoustic thing? I don't really want to get into all these electronics. I don't have the money to do all that. And then um, watching uh, – Rick Allen, the drummer from Def Leppard, amazing you know, drummer. Since he, he since he had oh, he had an awesome thing before he lost his arm, the tragic accident, he lost his arm, but he was still persevering and he came through and learned how to play the drum grooves with his left foot becoming his left arm, so to speak. So he played the grooves with his uh, left foot on the snare drum, little drum trigger they had, so it sounded like a snare drum. So I was like, man, how can you marry the two, like acoustic together with this whole song playing? And by thinking about Rick Allen with the snare drum on the foot, I just took a snare drum and regular, you know, we would think the the basket is upright, so you could play it like as you would be sitting at a drum set or standing. But I put it at a 90-degree angle so that now a bass drum pedal could hit it. So now it's more like a bass drum, but it's a snare drum. So I put that on my left foot and then I just started working out grooves like, you know, boom, chat, boom, boom, chat, boom, chat, and then just playing on top. Well, that was a whole learning curve. That's that was hours of practice, I will say, just coordination level. Yeah. 
that was like to the nth degree. And then it grew. I started thinking like, wow, that'd be really cool if I had a hi-hat down there. And then I just took an X-hat, which is like a hi-hat that's on the side of the drum set that's permanently closed. Yep. And I put that at 90 degrees. So like a, again, like a bass drum pedal could hit it. And then I was like, okay, now I could play a whole drum groove with my feet. So I incorporated this left double pedal. So my right foot toe was playing the bass drum. My right foot heel was playing the snare drum pedal. And then my left foot was playing the hi-hat pedal. So I was able to play a complete drum groove with just my feet. And then I was able to play melody lines with my hands. And that took so much time to be able to separate your limbs like oh, yeah. that. That's that's then, four way coordination right there. That is man, the that's, definition that's way of it. Difficult, yeah, way difficult. But again, through practice, and perseverance, you get comfortable with things and start learning it. So I did that. There's many uh, videos online on my YouTube page, uh, Dramology TV, and that's the way YouTube page. You can look it up. Even if you just search my name, Neil Garthley, it'll come up. And you can watch some videos of me playing. There's a video of me at uh, um, the Cape Breton Drum Festival. I played up there. And then I even expanded it. That That's where it became the most, actually. At the Cape Breton Drum Festival, it became the most amount of pedals, which I believe was 12. It was insane. Now, for those of you out there listening trying to figure out how this works, um, please go on YouTube and find the Cape Breton one. And there's some from uh, one of the studios here local in New Jersey. Just watching Neil move his feet and it's not just you know like planting his feet on a pedal uh it's heel toe on different pedals and i remember watching it live you know in in your school and it was mind-blowing i i can never describe it i have a very good friend that figured out a little bit of it uh our friend andrew who did figure out a little bit of it rubano Um, oh he did mess around with a whole bunch of pedals for a while but i oh it was so amazing to watch uh, that kit. Oh, so, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it was fun. It was definitely fun. Um, brought me to another level of playing, which, you know, I, I didn't know I could get to and uh, another level of going out and, um, pursuing drum clinics as a career and going traveling and doing some of that, being on the road, doing some of that. Again, I didn't do a lot of it, uh, but I, I was starting to break headway and, you know, do some things and, and then, uh, Life changes, life changes, and then it, it, something else happens. Another focus on your life to, that makes the next chapter, right? Yeah. Um, but real quick, just to talk about the drumology thing. Oh, yes. Uh, so the, the, the drum set was a creation from sort of drumology. Now, drumology was my TV show at the local high school. They have a public access channel, and um, I knew the, the director, so he was like, how about we do a – pilot of a drum show because this is the idea i pitched them i said i have this idea of teaching a drum show which again came from art hinkelbein's karate school thing he told me about a karate guy that went to a public access and had a karate show and i was like well why can't i do that with drums and then talking to this guy he said let's do a pilot we did a pilot he showed it to the students at the high school they loved it he says let's do it so then i did it for four years at a 32 episodes that's awesome special guests uh great drummers that i knew i would have them come in and interview them and at the end is when this creation of this drum set started happening and it came really to fruition and i did a lot of videoing with that and that's what you'll see on on the drumology tv or just search my name on youtube and then uh 
that again, another focus changed my life. And then I often go and then dermatology stopped. Uh, something else happened. So dermatology was this cool thing in my life where I was able to really kind of dive into a different medium. Yeah. You know, instead of just teaching face to face and online, it became like a TV direction, which was awesome because a lot of people don't have that opportunity. And no. I was so lucky to have that. It was really cool. So my last question, it has to do with dramology and, uh, the, the kit. Um, and I've mean, uh-huh. I've been meaning to ask you this for years. How long did it t- take you to set that kit up? It would be an hour. I got it down to an hour setting it up. Oh my god! And then an an hour tearing down. There were so many parts and so many pedals. It was ridiculous. It really was crazy. It was a lot of work. A lot of work. Worth it. it, That's that's another reason why I stopped doing that because it was just so labor intensive. There's not a memory clamp on earth that could help you out with something like that. I hear you. It was so much more of a. Uh, like after that, I became uh, a member of this band called Juggling Sons and played with this great guitar player, Mark Dimiti. Oh, yes. And it became more of a playing out thing, um, uh, a jam band scene where we would be playing out four nights a week. And I was like, I can't do this drum set. That's ridiculous. And especially when the stage is as big as the drum set yeah. is. You yeah. know, I can't take up the whole stage. So I had to cut down and go to a four-piece drum set. So that, that started a whole other playing part of my career, just – minimalism and just going for basic stuff still cool learning how to play and jam with a band to another level other than just playing a cover song and knowing in a way like it's all predetermined jam band you might have the first part that's predetermined and then there's this whole middle section that's like totally free will anybody could do anything you want and then there's like a little idea at the end that everybody is predetermined so that it's such a different way of playing. It's it's fun. You know, I've I've done it myself, you know, in in the jam band world and the jazz world and it is it's it's not easy. It's not easy. There's a reason that the Grateful Dead, you know, there's a very famous DJ in Philly, um Pierre Robert, and he always says the Grateful Dead were not the best at what they did. They were the only ones that did what they did. And of course, now there are lots of jam bands out there. Um but it, it's a it's a tough type of music to play. So, you know, we we have that going on. So, Neil, before we go, um, where can people find you? already? Uh, Yeah, right? You think that? I know. (laughs) I was ready to talk all day. I could talk all day myself. I'm stuck in my house. Help me, please. Me too. Take me with you. This this podcasting is an outlet, I'm telling you. Um, Where, other than YouTube and Dramology TV, where can uh, people go and find you, the Academy, and and all of that? Okay, probably the easiest way right now would be to go to www.aodg.net. Love it. Again, simple. AODG.net for Academy of Drums and Guitar. That's the webpage. You can um, go right there. There's um, Since I've been doing online teaching, all, I've been taking screenshots of all my students, so check out all my students in this school. Um, you can contact me there if you are interested in online lessons. I am doing them. Uh, just contact me right through there. Um, there's tons of mediums we can go through, like Facebook Messenger can do video lessons, Google Duo, which is a cross-platform thing to do, Zoom, Google Meet. There's all these different avenues, so yeah. we could definitely work on something. Never know. It's awesome. And that's the coolest thing, too, about this whole thing. That's what one thing I wanted to just touch base on real quick, if we could, of before course. we go, was this online thing. Now that we have this pandemic, it's changed life. This is a new chapter, another focus, right? Yeah. So – in that timeline, this this focus of now 
changing direction and making sure your business can still survive in this new world. And by doing this online, it has really taught me that it is possible that you can be anywhere in the world and still have a student base. Yeah. And still go through this lesson through the online thing. And it works. Are there difficulties? Yeah, sure. There's a time lag where there's like a half a second or a second between. So you really can't play with the student. As technology gets better, that'll improve, of course. Um, But the benefit, I think, is really you get to be in the student's environment. Yes. We're never able to go to the house unless you go to the student's house and see what their kid is. But now I can see their kid and go, like, hey, you got to move that Tom. This this symbol's way too far away from you. Bring that in. What do you mean you don't have a music stand? Yeah. <laughs> that was what? the first. I couldn't believe it. Nobody had music stands. It's, tr- it's like, so what? true. Neil, even my, even my band kids at high school, some of them did not have music stands. It's, right. I'm like, what do you mean you don't have music? So things like that, it, it really has um, opened my eyes to a different way of teaching. And, and um, of course, our mentor, Dom Familiar, has always preached this. And, and again, we didn't, I didn't pursue it because I had the face-to-face thing, but mm-hmm. it is a whole other world. So I think it's kind of headed this direction. You know, I think the, uh, this, as this pandemic does start to taper off over the next several months, um, you are going to see this continue, that mm-hmm. it's going to be more online. It's convenient for some people, you know. Pa- you know, for some of your students, they're younger, parents work, and, you know, this is just a way for them to be enriched by the, uh, with the world of drums and guitar without, you know, the parent either having to give up work or, you know, maybe there's other kids that the parent needs to take care of. It works mm-hmm. out, and the kid can still get their music education, and that's what it's about, teaching music yes, and getting yeah. people yeah. music. So many parents have said to me, they would come in, peek their head around, hi, how are you doing? Yep. Like, Thank you so much for doing this. It gives it, like, They look forward to this every week. This is like their one little salvation. So it is important to be able to still have that connection with these students and Absolutely. Uh, see them grow and do all that. So it's pretty awesome. I agree. Neil, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hey, thank you. And I got to say, from being a former teacher of you, it's, I'm very proud of you on what you have accomplished thank in you your so life, much. in your phases of your life. So you have gone on. You went to Berkeley College of Music. How crazy was that? So you went to yeah, Berkeley. Crazy, and then you right. studied with some great instructors, mm-hmm. Sergio Bellaglia that was there, and um, just well, Sergio, Sergio and Ralph were, were the two, you know, yeah. half these symbols are from Sergio's store. I got to shout, <laughs> I got to talk to him. <laughs> That's awesome. And, um, uh, just that whole journey you had and then coming out and then becoming a band director. How cool is that? Right. So that's so interesting to see that phase of your life. And now with this new chapter of online stuff with this times we're in you're having a podcast so look at how cool that is man i'm so proud of you man that's awesome thank you so much it it means a lot and i'm you know i'm so happy you you agreed to do this and bottom my heart thank you because i i'll be honest with you all this is you're part of this story a lot of this is because of you you, so thank you so much thank you so much thank you so much all right. Well, I look forward to it. And again, anybody wants to hit me up, just uh, contact me on that webpage, aodg.net. Awesome. Thanks, Neil. All right. Thank you. You know, I think it's really important to keep in touch with your teachers, whether it be a private teacher in music or any other thing that you decide to pursue, or a teacher from school. You know, there are still lessons that they can teach you, and most of the time they become pretty cool friends. I really 
am grateful that Neil decided to come on the show, and I am very happy that he is part of my life and part of my music story. Coming up next week, we have James Doyle on the show. James Doyle is a music educator and also a member of a group called Sons of Wexford, which plays Irish music and modern bluegrass around the New Jersey area. I'm super excited to have him on the show so we can talk music education, Irish music, and a whole bunch of other subjects. You can find Getting Grilled on the Fourth Wall Pop Network at anchor.fm slash fourthwallpop. We are exclusive to that network, and we really enjoy being part of it. New episodes drop every Tuesday at 2 p.m., and until next week, don't do anything I wouldn't do.